0: Hi, it's Randy G. We're going to talk about death today. It's pretty early here, um, so I'm calling it today. It's really dark out. You might hear some loons in the background or uh, whooping cranes or, or whatever. But because of circumstances this week and events that happened, death seems to be something that people want me to, to speak about. Because it's not an easy thing. It's It's hard for people to understand death but when I think about the opposite of death being birth I think that that's kind of hard too and and it's it's really just the opposite it's you know birth is the beginning of life although many believe the conception is and death is the end of life and why we don't have a a difference in that I'm not sure but in in any event we don't remember dying and most of us don't remember being born although our tissues and our cells i I think do remember some of the birthing process at least they show up in different ways and and some people recognize that as as something that comes from birth and and others haven't me for instance i was held back at birth um, by a towel the doctors weren't around so i couldn't get out um they had anesthetized my mother and i was anesthetized at the same time so i had trouble being born and and um was born blue so to this day if you tighten the sheets around the end of my bed um in my sleep i will i will feel trapped like i can't get out and i have to kick my feet free many people like tight sheets because they were first wrapped very warmly and felt secure when they were first born. They like tighter fitting clothes because of that. Or they like loose fitting clothes because they were wrapped too tightly and they want to feel the freedom of being born, of being alive. They like cold sheets or cold pillows or warm houses. Um, All these things that, that you know that you felt in your life or you don't want to wear shoes maybe the cord was wrapped around your feet before you were born or you really like tight shoes (laughs) or you you like like warm socks Um, because you you did get born okay the the cord wasn't wrapped around your feet but when you first got born when you first came out and you were wrapped up your feet felt cold so you never want your feet to feel cold again We have these tissue memories. They stay with us forever, and and we act out on them. We live them all the time. We just don't always know where they come from. Sometimes we just say it runs in the family. Well, if your mother or your grandmother or your great-grandmother always had trouble giving birth um, and... Therefore, lots of the kids had their feet wrapped up in the cord or couldn't get out or whatever. It could run in the family. Caesarean births, of course, don't have those same problems. But I also think that a Caesarean birth doesn't allow us as human beings to feel the passion of the struggle to be born. The struggle to become a living human being, which is a disconnect from God in many ways it's it's coming and becoming an earth um walking person and i i I hesitated with earth walking because that's the my company name for thirty five forty years now. It means the earth walk we're doing our walk on earth as humans and it um and there is a a, a passionate struggle to become that human being to detach. From the mother, from the umbilical cord, begin breathing and, and having the blood flow through our bodies by ourselves, slowly learning through energy that we need to be fed and we need to breathe, we need to, to feel the world around us and, and what a miracle that is. People don't look at death as a miracle, however. Death is something that is final and negative. Black. Joe, meet Joe Black, the movie, you know he said, he's got to wear black. Of course, and his name is Black. Or death in Touch by an Angel is is a man who, you know, a fairly good-looking man who always feels badly about the fact that he has to come and take the person that the angels are working with. Um, death has been, has always been looked at as, you know, like the ace of spades. It's a dark time. It's a time of uh, the, the life going away from us, but but why is it that we look at it that way? Scientifically, the scientists will say death is the end of the um, the brain working, or when the heart stops and then the brain stops. And why is death relegated to that scientific discovery that you know when it, when a brain stops working, apparently life has gone out of the body. How are people killed instantly? Does the brain is it, does the brain have to be hit or Damaged or destroyed immediately for someone to die instantly. What does that mean? They're not easy questions. There's not easy answers. Um, there is a transformation, of course, but, but some churches will say that that transformation is, um, a rebirth or something else. I don't know. Um, you know, most people do know that I'm an ordained minister. But I'm, I'm, with a church that is non-denominational but it comes from unconditional love i've been ordained for twenty years or so but, uh... i went to a church this weekend for my nephew's memorial we couldn't have a uh... Um, um, funeral or didn't have a funeral because the body's being held for for criminal investigation of the, the person who hit him but um... but there was a memorial service and I asked my niece who rode with me in the car on the way there I said you know I I've never been to this church what denomination is it and she she said that she went all her life but she quit going several years ago um, she's almost 29 now for uh for personal reasons or whatever but that it was non-denominational and I said okay when I got there I realized that it wasn't non-denominational but and I won't talk about which denomination it was <clears throat> But it was the strangest day I've had in years. The strangest feeling, the strangest energy that I've felt in years. And it wasn't good stuff. Um, my nephew was very connected to this church and its people and had gotten that way, mm, I'd say, over the last seven years or so. He had two little babies. Um, well, seven and four, but to me they're babies and and he was a baby he was only 30 and uh, and his life was taken instantly according to my brother he was killed instantly and as I was thinking about that killed instantly I said what is that how do you lose life instantly and do we really is that really possible or is it just the physical body it stops working instantly where's the spirit where's the energy how long does that last are we hovering somewhere? Is the energy circling around this, this dead form on the pavement? Um, does it travel back to the family, to the church, to the house? Well, there's lots of, of stories about people feeling that those who have passed away have come to see them before they leave this plane, before they leave this dimension, before their energy dissipates or changes or... Gets higher, and Native America, of course, they believe we believe, in many respects, that you are created by the Creator, and you are gifted to the earth, and then taken back, and that creation is changed, much like writing a book or excuse me, painting a picture, um, or even building a house. Let's put it that way. You build it a certain way and you're proud of it and it stands for some number of years. And then, of course, parts of it start to deteriorate or break down. But um, when you're ready to transform it, you you might build an addition onto it or, or replace the roof or um, change the yard or do whatever. And you, and you change it a little bit until it's done until you no longer are going to live in it um your life stops in it the life that you had there stops even though it's been transformed <laughs> and then possibly when you leave and especially in in this economy you may leave and it sits empty and and then gets destroyed not by you the creator anymore but by others um maybe that's a bad analogy but i i i, I was trained by seven grandmothers, and one of them did have to teach me about life and death and it was not an easy thing to understand birth was was somewhat easy because you you do have the science of of conception and and the growth and, and, uh, and the birth process, and then the growing process as a human and of course we 've all experienced it, and nobody listening to me right now has experienced death, so we don 't have the same experience of knowing what it's like to be pronounced dead and what happens afterwards and that's supposed to remain a mystery to us as as human beings and there, there has to be of course a reason that it, that it remains a mystery if we knew that death was wonderful we may under times of hardship all choose death versus the struggle if we knew we were all going to heaven this wonderful place where anything we wanted is, um, which I believe many of our kids believe, we would end our lives and go there because it's much easier. You don't have to work. You don't have to worry about um, what others are doing to you, how it feels, the emotions, the, the energy of life. You don't have to deal with all of the different consequences of your actions through your energy you just go to heaven just end your life so we're not supposed to know what death is because we, we could pine away for it instead of living the gift which is life you know, we're supposed to live this this gift anyway it was very difficult at the, the church because they um, the people there I'm sure have a belief system that made them calm there were no tears, really, even from my family members. They were locked into the belief that this was all joy that little Lucas would, would be in in uh, reveling in god 's joy now, and even his wife, Krista, young twenty eight two babies, got up and talked for fifteen, twenty minutes without a tear in her eye. And my mother, the the matriarch of the family, you know, 86 this year, the great-grandmother of Krista's little children, um, was very bothered by it because she couldn't feel Lucas, Lucas's presence and she couldn't feel any pain from her family members who were there because there were no tears. Now, I spoke to my niece, I spoke to my brother, and I couldn't get tears from them either. My um, sister-in-law had tears, but, but also this smile on her face. And you, I, I don't know. She could have had Valium or something. I mean, she just lost a son. I don't know. My, brother, my brother's energy is, is a Marine's energy. He was a Marine like I was. And he, um, he was trained, of course, to go through seeing death all the time. Never of your own family. But, and never, of course, of your own child. No parent wants to see their child die. They want to be gone long before that happens. But, um, so I, he was stoic, but his body, his physical body was reacting and I could see that real quickly. I mean, he had fever blisters. He was breaking out. His, his hair wasn't right. Nothing was working because he wasn't expressing or couldn't express the emotion, the energy around the, the grief of losing your son, and then we had to have a talk about what grief is, and and you know of course scientifically people say grief you go through this process of of denial and then anger and and then pain and and then um, acceptance and um, I'm not sure where they were on in that process at all because of their religion and this church now. Uh, of course, I'm going through my own grieving process. If I've had my nightmares, you know, um, I had to drive up to Atlanta with my mother, and she didn't want to stay overnight, so I had to drive all the way back after this service. So I had a 16-hour a, a day um, of doing that after. And involved with all the emotions around family stuff and death. And that's, you know, so my body's going to react too. I already know that. We often feel grief in our chests because of where our heart is. And you'll hear people get coughs and, and colds and chest colds and heart pains and palpitations, all those things because you're holding the energy of the grief in your body. But I watched my brother's body right before my eyes, practically. I could see it. Because he couldn't express his pain, and my niece, when I spoke to her, I said, "You know, how are you doing?" And she's, "Oh, we're we're good. You know, we we know it was an accident, and he's with God and Jesus, and everybody's fine, and we're we're doing really well." And then tonight, she called her grandmother in total tears with guilt about a fight that she had with her brother. um that had been going on for a while and how much she loved him and now he'll never know and all the guilt that that now comes up that rises to the surface. That's one thing that comes up anyway. All the leftover baggage, the leftover things that people don't say and do while someone is alive. You know, we have tears at birth. At least I did. (laughs) You know, when babies are born, even when we watch them born on television, um most of us will get a tear in our eye because there's this joyful remembrance of of that miracle and also the hope that goes into looking at that little brand new baby, baby boy or girl and thinking and hoping that their life will be wonderful and that they'll be able to experience all the beauty of, of living as a human being that they'll find love and know love that they will um, always have what, what they need. That they'll find God and know God. That they'll walk the earth in a good way. That they'll be the best they can be. That they'll become all that their creator wanted them to be while they live here. And, and when you, you see that birth, it, it pushes a button inside of you because you had all that too when you were born. You had people believing and thinking all those things about you. And some of us cry because we believe we maybe didn't do as well as we should have. That maybe we didn't do everything we could have to be the people that we were supposed to be. And now we're 40 or 50 or 60. Or, in my nephew's case, now he's dead. And did he do all the things that he was supposed to do before he was taken back? Those are, are really hard questions. Just because their heart doesn't mean they can't be answered. Birth and death are the opposites of each other, just like yin and yang and black and white. You know, death is always black. Um, Birth is not always white, but when we think about the miracles and the angels that are involved with birth and life, it's always the white light. Um... So that yin-yang thing, that opposite thing is there. We have opposite poles on the earth. One is north and one is south, and it pulls the earth in different directions. It pulls our energy in different directions. So we have a life energy, I believe, and we have a death energy. And I, I, I know in my heart that except for those instances of birth and death, which God is totally in control of, we have some part uh, some control in the life in between. That we can change the energy of what we're doing and who we are. We can change the polarization. We can change the division. We can change the, the, um, the coming together of all of the energies within us as individuals and as groups and as, and, and in a global way. That we can do those things. We have that ability do we use them no not very often but we have that ability to do that that's that's living it's a little different than the birth process and the death process but it's living and it was hard this weekend to to listen to people talk about my nephew because of course you know he lived six hours away not that far but um... for many years he lived further away because they moved south to to georgia when he was uh, real little. And I didn't move south to Alabama until I was real big. <laughs> so um, there were many times I didn't see him, but that's also the way families are. They, he, he, my brother had three children, and they lived next door to my sister-in-law's family that, who took in foster children. So there were 15 cousins there all the time, and that's where they spent most of their time. But the time that he spent with me sometimes with his brother, Matthew. They are very close together. And notice they're named after biblical figures, Matthew and Lucas. But they were very close. Um, The times that they spent with me were different than what the church people saw in them. Uh, They did remember certain funny things about about Lucas, but they didn't really know him, even though he spent, from the time he was four years old until he was 30, a member, a very active member of the church and the bible study group and everything their remembrance of him was so detached was so unemotional that at least my mother and i and i'm sure maybe a few others had trouble identifying with this as being a memorial to a life and a remembrance to a, of a life and a finalization that comes from death um, afterwards, people went to you know the next building over and ate and and hugged each other and no tears, no emotion until the following day and I knew it was coming. I told my niece i said you know you 're feeling okay today you 're telling me you 're fine." I said, "My concern is what comes later because when the shock wears off and when the front is gone that you no longer have to put on for your community for your church people for your friends and your neighbors when all that goes away and you're in the the tiny little room by yourself you and god the tears will come and so will other things like my brother's body reaction and those things can be horrendous because we pull all those emotions into our body and hold them there like i said we hold the grief we hold the pain we hold the anger said to my brother aren't you mad aren't you angry this person pulled out into the road by not yielding the right of way from a standstill and somehow made a left turn and smashed into your son and killed him and killed him in such a way that you couldn't and wouldn't go down to identify the body aren't you angry no 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 we're going to pray for him okay my niece isn't angry nobody's angry i'm angry I'm angry that his life was taken away so quickly, that there were two little children left behind and a wife left behind. I'm angry about it. I'm angry that people are so selfish and into their own little me worlds that they don't look before they make a left turn so that they take away someone else's life. My brother's reaction to that, I said, how could this happen? He said, oh, it happens people are looking for cars, not motorcycles, so they hit them. Well, really? Really? then get off the road. Why do you believe that you own the road and that you can do what you want to do regardless of the consequences and what happens to everybody else? And how can you not yield the right-of-way? Now, that's a legal term. He didn't yield the right-of-way because he was at a stop sign making a left turn onto a highway going to turn left into the opposite direction that my nephew was going. And somehow, at some Enormous rate of speed. After making that left turn, my nephew saw him pull out, skidded, laid the bike down, and still got smashed. You look at that on a plane somehow and tell me, you draw it out, tell me how that happened. Um, I'm kind of glad the police are are holding the body for criminal investigation. However, the family's not going to press any charges because they feel sorry for them. Because God told them to. No, God didn't tell them to. <laughs> the church told them to. The church said, let it go. Well, but what happens is, what else the church does, this particular church I'm talking about, what I saw and what I've known for some time, is that they pull people in to be dependent on the church. Not on God, but on the church. And they, if they become dependent on the pastors and the deacons. To tell them how to live their lives, to tell them how to react in their lives. So this family, my brother's family, all the family around him, spoke to the pastors and the deacons of this church right after the death, and and they were calmed. They were they felt calm. They were um, comforted, I guess, in many ways. But they believed that. Their reaction should be joy, um, and that they should show that to everyone. That this was all, you know, part of the big plan. And isn't it wonderful? He's going to go be with Jesus, and um, and and everything is forgiven, and everything will go on. And and they did a great job. You could see it in everybody's face. I felt like I was watching robots. But they were dependent on the church. Now, as soon as my my niece, I told you, left that church it was a little time ago. Um, she knows everybody there because she grew up in the church. But she's the one who is not dependent on the church. So the first thing that happened within hours after all this is over is she begins to feel the grief of losing her brother. And it started the process of, of getting out of denial and into... A little bit of anger, but also anger at herself. That's what we do. When people die, we say, I wish I'd said this, I wish I'd done that. I shouldn't have been so mean, I shouldn't have, you know, done this, I shouldn't have said that. Um, so she's in the process of dealing with her grief, where everybody else in the family is still saying, We're going to church next week, and we'll speak to the deacons and the, and the pastors, and everything will be fine. And Lucas, we should feel joy for him because now he's with God. Okay, I understand part of that. My younger brother died when he was almost 22. So my mother lost a son. I found out this weekend that also her mother lost a son and her mother's mother lost a son. So there's definitely a pattern of something going on here. But I do understand that, that yeah, you know, you you need to feel like they have moved on to a better place and hopefully it's heaven and God or Jesus or both are there depending on your belief system and that you need to believe that but we also are human and even when Jesus was on earth he suffered and he felt the pain of death and felt like he was forsaken at one point. Until he knew then it was finished. Um, so the church or the deacons or the pastors who are teaching this complacency and acceptance in a way that is unemotional. I mean, there, the, he, my, my, my nephew packed the church and even the pastor said he couldn't do that. He couldn't pack it the way Lucas did. But it was a silent non-tearful church they had a few little packages of Kleenex that they passed around in case people needed them and they weren't used Um, that just bothers me (laughs) because there was no emotion, there was no energy involved in this process of someone dying and leaving as a human being that death is a disconnect again from being human When we're born, we disconnect from the mother. That's the disconnect of the life force. We are no longer dependent on the mother to live. We are emotionally. We need our mothers and fathers and grandparents around and uncles and aunts and cousins and brothers and sisters and friends. We need that community to help us keep going. But as far as the birth process goes, once that umbilical cord is cut, we are human. Now... At death what happens there's no umbilical cord is there or is there how do we get from earth to heaven how do we get from being a human being to whatever it is we're going to be later well there's another detachment that has to happen there we have to get back to God we have to detach as humans to be human means that you have a body that has blood flowing through it with a brain That brain gives you free will. So somehow, that free will, that will to live, and that free will has to be stopped. So it's not the brain, actually. It's the energy of will. It's the free will that God gave us as a gift. He gives you the will to live or the will to die. He gives you the choice. Except when it's time for him to change his creation into something else. And when he's ready to renovate, when he's ready to tear down, when he's ready to start anew, when he's ready to paint the living room, or whatever he has to do to change the course of the grand plan, that free will gets shut down. And you could have the will to live, but that's when people say your number is up and you're going to die. Not an easy thing to deal with, death. I deal with it in a very specific way because i 've lost so many people in my life. I started losing people when I was young, favorite people you know godmother and my favorite aunt and um, my uncle died when he was young, and then of course, my little brother died and um, when I went in the Marines, I lost fifty friends a day, and most of them, um, for no reason a lot of of women friends. Who were killed with drugs because they wouldn't do what the men thought they should do. All of, so they would get slipped drugs into their drinks and jump out windows and die. And a lot of people, of course, in Vietnam who who were fighting for their country or not, who got drafted and didn't like being there. You know, what I did notice there, though, is the ones who understood what they were doing lived. The ones who didn't were detached from the mission, were detached from the love of country were the ones who died in most cases now there, there are always the the heroes who love their countries who are doing love their country who are doing all the things they're supposed to do um, who end up dying but in general what I saw the people who didn't want to go who didn't care who didn't understand and hated America but got drafted went there with that energy and didn't come back um, I mean, you can see it in boot camp even with with people. But So their energy to live, their choice to live, their free will, was not necessarily a good choice. (laughs) We don't always make good choices with our free will. And if we're not careful, if we let others make our choices for us, we become dependent on the church or on drugs or on welfare or on mom and dad or whatever we're becoming dependent on, which means that we are not living because we haven't detached enough to learn what love is first, love of self, love of God and then unconditional love of the gift that we've been given, which is life so we don't detach enough, we're still too dependent, and we see that around us today, everywhere where this dependence is being pushed onto us whether we're the uh, the children who um, don't know any better they're just growing up just learning about life are being told what life is supposed to be or we're adults and many are in denial of what life is supposed to be or they have become dependent on their parents, on welfare on drugs, on corruption, on stealing on Gangs and the government, and because of that dependence, have no true free will. Therefore, no freedom. They can't kick their feet free. They don't feel like they're they've been born, and they don't realize it. They don't realize that they have not truly yet become human beings, living the gift that God gave them. And then there are the others who remember what that birth is about. Who have the free will. Who understand love. Love of country, love of family, love of life. And they get a little bit too radical sometimes where you're not supposed to do anything to affect that life. And and, um, you can cause dependence that way also. Um, This is the way we were taught. My grandmothers taught me. They actually knew the Ten Commandments, even though they were Indians. Um, They knew who Moses was. And they know who God is. They call him the creator. And they said, you know, just follow the ten rules. And follow them with all of nature. As you do your earth walk. Don't lie. Don't steal. Don't kill. Love God. Don't pine away and covet what everybody else has. Don't worry about what they have know that you've been given the gift of life and honor that take one day a week and honor it in whatever way you need to and want to so that God knows that you remember that you've been given the gift of life that's how you keep your attachment to heaven you keep your attachment to earth as a human being and you live the fullest life follow the ten rules don't read everything in all the Bibles because they will be interpreted by your brain in a way that is not conducive to living life. Very often, people interpret what's been written by others in a totally different way. And if we haven't learned that politically over the last year and a half, then you've learned nothing. Because everything that's been written is being interpreted the opposite way from each side. So we just need the ten rules. Just like we need the Constitution it's the same thing the Constitution and the Bill of Rights those are the rules and that's all we need that's what we need to keep our attachment to God our attachment to our country our connection to earth our way and will to live our ability to be independent our passion to be free that's life and death and when we lose that, our numbers are up, and we die. And it won't be God taking it away this time. It'll be you turning off the lights. <sighs> Birth and death. Think about it. Go to earthwalk-usa.com. Spread the word. This is Raina G. Thanks for listening.